Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now, here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Now, we've heard passion, vision, and commitment on this show before, but today I think we're in for a treat. I'm here with three educators who are quietly and wholeheartedly bringing their visions of what school should be to life. My three guests today are Andrew Cutt, who's the founder and the head of the Progressive Oneness Family School, a 24-year-old Montessori school for children from age 2 through 8th grade. Andrew's based in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Kate. And I also have Laura Kang, who's the principal of the Eagle Cove School on Gibson Island in the Chesapeake Bay near Pasadena, Maryland. Eagle Cove serves children from pre-K through 5th grade. Good morning, Laura. Hi, Kate. And finally, I have Tal Birdsey, who's a native of Atlanta, Georgia, and an alumni of the Innovative Padilla School there. Tal's a gifted teacher whose passion for writing, literature, and poetry informs his work with 7th through ninth graders at the middle school he founded in the Green Mountain town of Ripton, Vermont, the North Branch School. Hey, Tal, good morning. Hey, Kate, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. I'm glad you three are here. Um, this is the first time on Visionary Leader that we've had three guests all at once, so hopefully the three of us will be able to have a conversation that um, really um, helps people see the potential of school in a whole different way this morning. I know that you all have visions that are truly inspiring. Um, Andrew, I want to start with you. My daughter attended your Oneness Family School for 10 years from kindergarten through 8th grade. And as a family, we had the firsthand experience of being part of your school community and being partners with the teachers and staff at Oneness to educate our child. And I'd love it if you could just take a moment or two to tell us about Oneness and its unique mission and approach. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, uh, the Oneness Family School was founded in 1988. Um, We're currently in our 24th year. Uh, we serve children two years old um, through eighth grade, so we're spanning a very young age um, to the to when the children are embarking upon their high school career and beyond. And um, our our school program um, is designed um, uh, with three main uh, areas of focus. One we call academy, which uh, is about learning uh, about the world uh, around us, um, with a special emphasis on the interconnections that the children. Uh, might make um, between all the different subject areas. And the second area of our focus is called self-discovery, which is really focused on, on what's happening inside of us and, and having the students learn about themselves as people. And then the third area of our program is, is focused on global citizenship, which really 
uh, involves the students manifesting their aspirations to make a, a difference in, in the world and really putting together the, the first two parts of the curriculum in, into, into um, practical, uh, practical applications. And so uh, our, our goal is to empower students to share their, their gifts with the world and uh, to set them on, on a pathway toward, toward a life well-lived. And uh, in a nutshell, that's what our, our school's mission and vision is all about. Thank you. And I know how, how powerful and, and proven that, that is, actually, having experienced it firsthand. So thank yes, you for indeed. sharing that. Um, Laura, I met you for the first time at a conversation that my company, the Nebo Company, hosted uh, on the Chesapeake Bay about what it means to lead in the effort to uh, protect and conserve our environment. You were one of the leaders in that circle that day, and you really impressed me with how you connected our responsibility for the environment with educating our children to be the stewards of our environmental future. And I know that stewardship of an environment and of community are big themes at Eagle Cove School. Can you tell us about your school and its mission? Sure. Um, I remember that day fondly, Kate. That was a wonderful group of people, and the thing I loved about it was you brought so many different perspectives into the conversation, so it was fascinating. Well, um, Eagle Cove School was founded in 1956, and um, we say that we provide an environment um, of respect, responsibility, and joy in lifelong learning, and that our mission is really to teach academic excellence, so doing your very best, and also community and environmental stewardship. And we are located in Pasadena, Maryland, right on the Magathy River. Um, and I, right now I'm looking out at the playground, and right next to the playground is the Magathy River, and then to the left of that is the Chesapeake Bay. And the Chesapeake Bay, I'm sure most of your listeners probably know, is the largest natural estuary in the world. Um, the reason why that's important is because the bay and its tributaries are the nursery um, the breeding grounds for so many of the species that go on to live in the ocean. So that's why um, our location is so critical and we feel our mission is so critical. But the reason why it's so important, I believe, is because one person can only do so much. But when children come and learn a responsibility and a hands-on involvement with, um, you know, the, the bay and the watershed and and really the earth as a whole, then they teach their parents and they teach their friends and they go on to middle schools where they create recycling programs and build rain gardens. And um, so they carry that with them and they become very empowered. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, I remember that, that day that we had that first conversation too and one of our guests um, was working on actually developing a, a children's television show dedicated to helping third graders become the activists that he believes them to be within their families. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the thought that your, your school is helping kids uh, become teachers in their families. Um, yeah. And so they tell, all we go. do it. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we as parents, I'm a parent as well, and I know that my children remind me, you know, that can be recycled, let's turn that light off, don't idle the car, you know, so they're very empowered. <laughs> That's excellent. Tal, we go way back to when we were both English majors at Middlebury College so many years ago. Um, I spent the weekend reading your beautiful book, A Room for Learning, The Making of a School in Vermont, and it made me laugh and cry. And I was so moved to know you again through the passion that you're bringing not only to your teaching, but to the kids themselves and their self-discovery at, at the North Branch School. Can you tell us about the North Branch School? Uh, 
12 years ago, we had a couple of parents in our little town here. We have a town of 600 people and a little elementary school here. Like all the towns in Vermont have small elementary schools. And the parents were looking ahead to middle school and kind of not feeling too excited about taking their children out of these small, intimate, uh, homey-feeling elementary school and dumping them in a union middle school. So they started pursuing the idea of what would happen if we made a small middle school. And they didn't really know how to do that, and I had done that uh, before in Atlanta. So they asked me if you, if I wanted to start a school, and I said, sure. I have no idea what I was talking about or doing, um, except I had taught for 10 years. Um, but I didn't know how to start a school. So in 2001, we founded the school with 10 students. We rented a house um, up here in Ripon on a dirt road, uh, very far from anywhere, and uh, plunked the kids down in there and invented a school that year and have been doing it ever since. And the school now has 28 kids in it. Uh, we built our own building over time, added onto it over time, and uh, we covered grades 7, 8, and 9, which to me was one of the, the main factors that I, I sort of that I needed to have. I was going to do the school. I wanted kids for three years. I think developmentally, that's how long it takes to really come to know a person and for a person to come to know themselves in a, an environment, you know, one solid environment. And I wanted middle school to not be a, a two-year holding tank, but for it to be an experience unto itself. So, and I think developmentally, that's the right, that's the right grouping, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Uh, cognitively, the kids are more, more coherent in that grouping than they would be in sixth or seventh or seventh and eighth or Mm-hmm. I think the ninth graders are really the key here. Um, they're the leaders of the school. But we started with we started with that idea, and we decided not to add grades or do anything, but just focus on what we do best, which is seventh, eighth, and ninth. Which we, you know, I call it middle school, uh, but I guess you would say it's also high school. Uh, mm-hmm. But when the kids leave here, they go into high schools, and they're completely fired up and ready to go, and have had the greatest school experience of their lives, and, and they just want more. And that was my idea. Was like, how can we make this time of, of life be actually a great time, not a time you want to forget? Which I think is mostly how most adults think about their middle school years when they look back on it as kind of a forgettable time and a painful, uncomfortable time. And we try to turn that around and make it be thrilling. And I think we've, we've succeeded so far. You know, I can remember being 14 and asking my mother, who's a teacher, why is it that adults te- treat us like kids? We're adults, too. And I remember right. thinking at that age that I could see just as clearly the world as any adult, and yet the adults didn't seem to know it. <laughs> so I, I particularly appreciate your, your mission. Um, and, you know, you make a good point that your school going through ninth grade, those ninth graders kind of are the top of the school rather than the bottom of the school, which they often are in high schools. Right. When good. our kids leave here, they go into high school in 10th grade and they come out of feeling like they know what school is about and what a school should be and what they're supposed to do in a school. So when they go into high school, they're very directed and they're very focused and they're very intent and they're very serious and they're very excited about everything that's available to them. And the world has sort of opened up. And knowing in the 10th grade in high school, you're just in a much stronger position. You know yourself better and you have three years to make it work for yourself and it just... You know, the kids here, the ninth graders, they're sort of my assistant teachers. And they do a lot of the teaching of the younger kids, and the younger kids are learning from them, and the older kids are learning from the younger kids. So that mixed age is really critical. And, you know, we just want to send kids off to high school having loved school, not dreading it. And I think that's, that's what we've done so far. 
Now, um, North Branch School and Oneness Family School have multi-age classrooms. Is that true for Eagle Cove as well, Laura? No, but, you know, one thing that's really neat about our school is there's a great deal of interaction between our upper grades, which are fourth and fifth, and our younger grades, which are pre-K and K, and and all the way through. Um, We have recesses together frequently and then um, whole school events and it, um, our fifth graders are ambassadors, and they help the young students get out of the car in the morning and walk them to class. And a lot of them have their favorite older students, so it's a great relationship. It's very much a family. Well, we have just a few minutes before we take a break, but I wonder if um, if you could each just give us a little bit on what you think makes your school different from the public school option. You know, what, is, what are kids getting there that they're not getting necessarily in the public schools? Just a minute, each of you. Andrew, why don't we start with you again? Sure. Uh, I think uh, uh, some of the main things that are missing in the public school environment are a sense of connection uh, for students, a sense of purpose, uh, a sense of community, and Tao was, was just speaking about that. And uh, I think that um, th- those are some of the, the fundamental things that are that are missing in the public environment. Um, there are so many challenges, and I think there's a real lack of vision, and that results in um, a, a lot of disconnectedness on the part of the students, both um, from each other, from their, the subjects they're they're studying, uh, in terms of connections between subjects, as well as connections between the subjects and themselves. In other words, um, the learning is not really relevant to them, and so they they lose a sort of zeal for learning and a sense of purpose. And um, those are the kinds of things that um, small schools like ours, with with the visions that we have, are able to to preserve and to um, provide for the students as they embark on the next stage of learning for them, as well as you know going on toward the rest of their lives. I would say uh, here the key for us is size and intimacy. Uh, you know, kids coming out of sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade, or for the first time looking at people outside of their families, and that's really what middle school is all about, is you start becoming to look at the people around you and how you fit in with those people and thinking about how they think about you, which is part of that self-consciousness that we know of for middle school. Um, but my idea was that the school should be bigger than a family, but smaller than and most schools and most middle schools are systems, and they're large, and kids know that. And kids tend to feel alienated or isolated or alone or not known in large settings. And in a small setting, everyone's known, everyone's seen, everyone's heard. You can feel the power that each person has in a small room. And our theory on it was the school couldn't be bigger than what we could fit around one table and have one room. So the number for us is 28. We can get 28 people sitting around our big table, and in in an hour, everyone will talk, everyone will hear, everyone will listen, everyone will laugh, and, you know, everyone can make a, an offering into the, into the community, and I think that's really what you want to feel when you go to school, is that you, you are somebody, and somebody is noticing you and seeing what you are and what you're becoming. So a small school allows that to happen. A big school, things are decentralized or separate or isolated or, or fractioned off into pieces, and kids aren't seen very well, and they feel lost, and then they... And that really is one of the problems I see in, in bigger schools is kids are not uh, connected to a center of which they feel they're an integral part. And we're about to take a break. Laura, we just want to, I have a few seconds to offer you, and I want to give you a chance to address what's missing in public schools that's available in your school. Okay, very quickly. Um, 
you know, we do benchmark and evaluate our students, but we're not always preparing for a high-stakes test. Um, and I had a professor one time who described the difference between the independent schools and the public schools as the difference between Athens and Sparta. You know, are you always preparing for war, or are you training, are you helping students to uncover their the, the path to truth, you know, leading to a, a noble and just world? I think that's a great comment, and we'll be right back after this break. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm here this morning doing an unusual show with three inspiring guests, Andrew Cutt of the Oneness Family School, Laura Kang of the Eagle Cove School, and Tal Birdsey of the North Branch School. These educators have built schools that do far more than teach reading, writing, and arithmetic, although they do that too. We've been talking about the missions of their schools and how they're different from the public schools. And I'd like to turn now to the topic of um, community. All of you have created schools that emphasize community and partnership with families as a central tenet. Um, Andrew Oneness goes so far within its school program to call it a parent partnership and organize events to help educate and grow with parents. So parents are learning about being great parents, even as the children are learning how to be students and how to be a part of a school. Laura, the stewardship of community is built right into your school's mandate. And Tal, I know that your school was founded through the initiative of parents seeking a small school to serve their community. Andrew, why is it that partnership is such an important stance for a school to take? Well, I think that especially in the society that we live in with so many challenges uh, for children growing up, so many negative influences on them and the stresses on parents, um, a, a partnership a deep partnership between the parents and the school is is really essential in 
in helping um, the students to to grow up to be healthy, whole, and happy individuals. And um, and so we build that community at our school by by really focusing on on regular communication um, between the home and the school. Um, and the partnership is really about um, everybody coming together for a common purpose, which uh, is the are the underlying values and principles of, of the school. And so, um, you know, we also we, we try to view problems and challenges as, as opportunities for learning and growth. And so, um, you know, we demonstrate the philosophy of our school every day in practice in terms of when challenges arise um, in the classroom or in, 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 the, in the personal growth of students. And um, we really try to work through them uh, rather than brushing them under the rug or ignoring them. And um, often that involves, um, you know, a communication with the family in terms of how we're going to approach this, how we're going to work this through in a positive way. And so it's a, it's a place where honest and open communication is encouraged and, and practiced. And... It's also a place where students support each other uh, rather than putting each other down or tearing each other down. It's a place where they look out for the, the accomplishments of each other. They celebrate each other's accomplishments. Um, they support each other. They practice both being leaders and followers. And so um, out, out of all of this, there comes um, uh, a sense of, of, of well-being at the school where the, everybody can feel successful and um, and everyone can feel uplifted and be, and feel like they're being challenged according to um, their level and what they're what they're bringing to the to the table. You know, I have two children. One of them has been in the public school system. The other went through the Oneness Family School system all the way to the graduation at eighth grade. <laughs> yes. And I, she did. And I, what I can tell you is that um, as a parent in two systems, the Oneness Family School parent partnership approach felt like um, we were in it together for the good of the child and for the good of the family and for the good of the school. So the, that feeling of being a we instead of either just sending the child kind of out there into the day or and then you know receiving him back at the end of the day, um, knowing the teachers, being in a dialogue about not just the, school, the academic side of my child's life, but also her development and her growth as a human being. It was just a, an incredible... Um, it was an incredible partnership, and so I, I really want to acknowledge that. And I know that this is true with the other schools as well. Um, Tal, as a parent, I felt you captured the sentiment of what many parents are really looking for in a school in your book. And I'm going to read um, your words on the subject um, to our listeners today. This is from uh, Tal Birdsey's book, The Making of a School in Vermont. And he writes about what it is that the founding parents of his school were looking for. And I, this really resonated with me. Tal writes, these first parents sought an education for their children that was, simply, more dynamic and responsive. They wanted a school where their children would not get lost, where children could not hide or slide through. They sought a school where the words and actions of their children would have the power to ring out and resonate every day. They wanted a school that felt bigger than a family, but smaller than a system, an environment that was intimate, safe, and secure. They wanted a place where conflict would be dealt with humanely and openly, a school that literally and metaphorically centered around a round table, a school where there was a greater balance, where their children had the time to look inward and into each other, where collaborative sharing was more than a buzzword. They sought a sense of humor. They wanted a school in which children, whether they possessed conventional academic skills or not, would be part of shaping the course of learning and making something important. 
They wanted their children eager to go to school and to be thrilled by what was happening. Over and over, it became clear to me that what the parents sought had virtually nothing to do with whether their children mastered a particular body of predetermined knowledge or met certain standards. Professional educators and politicians would point to an enlightened curriculum, improved test scores, beautiful facilities, or properly trained teachers as key determinants of success. By choosing a school with no tests, no curriculum, no facilities, and haphazardly trained teachers, I think that might be a little understatement there, Tal. The first parents implicitly sought a school outside all systems of tradition, a place where their children could discover themselves in the act of creating their own true community and the great meaning of their lives. So I want to read those last words again, a place where children could discover themselves in the act of creating their own true community and the great meaning of their lives. Tal, how do you do this at North Branch? Well, it, it's what a little bit of what Andrew said is you want them you want them all listening to and following each other. And so the key there is just to bring out, help them find the best part of themselves. And I think, you know, for kids this age, um, they're just like little, to me, they're very much like two- and three-year-olds in, in a lot of ways. They're so curious, so hungry to learn, so eager to put their hands on things, and so eager to ask why. But... Uh, the further they get along in school, the more those questions are shut down and they are directed to what they need to know and need to learn about. And our theory here was you want to let it keep happening. Um, one of the kids even last year said, Tal, he said, Tal, this, our school is kind of like an adolescent playpen. And <laughs> we want them to play and be adolescents. And what that means really is they have the capacity of, of profound, poetic, philosophical adults and they have the capacity for being childish and ridiculous and slightly crazy and and bewildering. And we wanted all those things to come into play. And I think when you say to them, we want you all, we want you, your personality, your past, your family, your outside life, your inside life, your inner thoughts, the things that happen to you when you're not here, we want it all in the room. That's all a part of what we're learning. When you say that to them and then you let it happen, the kids feel like, I'm here, I'm alive, this is where I am, this is where I exist, this is who I am, this is who I want to become. And they really start to, to unfold and, ex- and expand and go deeper. And so it's really just, a, for me, it's just, a, it's just a trick of saying, you know, be, be yourself, which sometimes is crazy, sometimes it's annoying, sometimes it's maddening. Part of the way I do it is I, I act like them a lot. So I'm, I'm the best adolescent in the school. I can do it better than anybody. But I can also do the other part, the serious philosophical and poetical part. So they're seeing, they're seeing themselves through me, and, and I'm seeing myself through them, and I'm, I'm reflecting them back to them. So it's just you just want to let them go and, and, and let them be themselves. And they're incredible. Every kid is incredible if you let them be themselves and you don't try to put them in a box. That's how it's just the word that springs to mind in listening to you is authenticity. Mm. That's what you're looking for is just an authentic experience that they bring their whole selves to it. And that that really kind of reminds me of what Socrates, or what he was quoted as saying, that learning is not the filling of a vessel, but the lighting of a flame. Mm. Beautiful. Laura, you have a phrase, stewardship of community. What does that mean? Well, it means that we take care of each other here, but also that we reach out into the larger community. Um, we're involved with all kinds of environmental hands-on projects to reach out to our greater community. Um, 
One is that we're sort of the uh, delivery point for um, most of the oysters in a Maryland Marylanders Grow Oysters program in the fall. So they're all delivered here, and all of our students from pre-K all the way through fifth grade unload the oysters and place them in the river, and then we care for them, and residents who live right next to the Magathy come and pick them up. And the point is, of course, oysters filter the water and make it cleaner so the children understand that. Um, I love that day because by the time it's over, they are completely covered in oyster slime, <laughs> and they are having a ball the time of their lives. We, you know, there are all kinds of things we're doing. One of the most recent projects is there's a local park called Beachwood Park that the county here has purchased, and they don't have money right now to really do much with it, but it has a great history. It's right on the Magathy River. It's about 82 acres, and during the 40s and 50s, it was um, uh, during segregation, um, it was an African-American-owned and operated beach, and people from all over the Mid-Atlantic came um, Billy Holiday played there, James Brown, some of the greats. So there's a wonderful history there. It's, you know, for us, uh, the nature part of it is huge as well. And then our children are taking oral histories of people who were connected with the park um, to write up for potentially a history in nature trail with signs. So, you know, there are all kinds of things we do with our community um, because we believe that we, um, in teaching the children, putting them through the act and the habit of caring for something that they will find a passion for it. And, and we see that happen every day here. Wow. I'm, I'm curious. How does a child care for an oyster? <laughs> because they learn about them. The oysters, um, you know, they, they unload all these oyster shells, but it's not the oyster shell. It's the, the little tiny spots on the oyster shell are the oyster spat. So we, we take care of our own supply of oysters and we raise them from spat and then at the end, near, in the spring, we take them to an oyster reef and the children actually last year, they, we paddled out in canoes and, and placed them on the oyster reef. So they do the work of it and they were also um, paddling into a headwind, I think, last year. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they do it all year long. It becomes a habit. So they, they start to really care. Um, and they can see them growing. That's another big thing. When they see the life cycle um, of a particular species, whether it's our monarch butterflies in the butterfly garden we have or whatever it is, they get really excited about it. Well, thank you. I'm going to um, have us take a break right now. When we come back, I'd love to invite each of you to share your visions with our listeners. I know that, that they will be inspired. So we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate, and you're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm talking today with three people who are dedicated to educating children to become contributing citizens of the world, stewards of the planet, and confident, compassionate human beings. Andrew Cutt, Laura Kang, and Tal Birdsey lead schools where children bloom academically and personally, and they don't teach to the test, although I know their children do thrive academically. So let's talk now, um, Andrew, Laura, and Tal, about vision, of course. Um, when I say vision, I really mean destination. You know, what is it that you picture as the I- ideal future that you're working to create? And, and you know, sort of in, in your minds, you know, what's the vision that really inspires and guides you? Um, so, Laura, I think we'll start with you. Okay. Well, I have to say, you know, it's just that idea of a better world, and certainly a big part of that for me and, and you know, for the place where I am is that that would mean a, a healthier planet, um, certainly very specifically a healthier watershed here because I do believe this is such an important place where we are, um, but really a better world. And so I, when I think of my students, um, our students here, I think of them going out and being good spouses, good parents, good members of their community, and actually good environmental stewards. It doesn't just stop with their experience here, but they go on to their own communities, um, and they grow up, and they take that with them wherever they go. And they make their decisions based upon what they've learned here, um, how they consume, how they live in the world, what they choose to do, and that they do that with armed with good information and a good experience and just excellent critical thinking skills as well. Hmm. And that's, that is inspiring. Thank you, Laura. Andrew, how about you? Well, I think Laura um, expressed it quite eloquently, but um, for, for me, um, the school, the Oneness Family School, has been such a microcosm of what we feel the world um, can be like. Um, we, we, we average about 50 different nationalities here, so you always hear uh, lots of different languages uh, out in the hallways or in the, uh, at the arrival and dismissal line. And we also have people from all different spiritual paths and religions, and including no particular religion. And so it's been quite a, quite a melting pot and quite a proving ground. And I think for me, the ultimate goal is to, is to empower these students to, to, to be fully themselves. Um, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the greatest gift that we can give to the world is to be truly ourselves. 
and so we're, we're operating on the principle that every individual can make an enormous difference in the world. And, and the world we're trying to create is, is a world of, of understanding where everybody um, listens to each other and appreciates uh, each other's gifts, uh, a world where all citizens of the planet have equal opportunities, a world in which we all work to preserve and discover, preserve the resources we do have and discover new resources, and a world of, of open minds and giving hearts. And um, I think that uh, when you empower each individual to, to really be, um, as we said earlier, authentic uh, to who they are, uh, that is, uh, that is the, 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 best, um, the best insurance we have that we can create a, a better world. And, you know, one of my heroes, John Lennon, said, you, you may call me a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Uh, clearly, we have... We have uh, several dreamers here today uh, uh, that, that we're, um, we're visiting with. And um, I think that uh, the more we can empower students to follow their own dreams and trust that those dreams will, will bear fruit, um, the world will be automatically a better place. Thank you. Tal, how about you? Well, I would... I would pick up a little bit on something that Andrew just said again. Is you know, for me, I want these kids to know when they leave here, just a couple basic things, and everything we do is aimed at that. Which is, we want them to know what love is, and we want them to know what the truth is, and the truth of themselves, and the truth of the people around them, and the truth of maybe the world that they're about to step into. But it's big. That's big. So first, we start here, and and. You know, when the first year of the school, I came back after Christmas, sort of trying to figure out how to restart the year. And we had we had ten kids in the room, and and I was sort of struggling with some questions in my own life. And so I came in that first day after holiday break, and I said, "Y'all, what is love?" And they looked me at me in total stupor. They'd never been asked a question like that. <laughs> you know, you might ask them, you know, what what's the capital of, of Russia? You know, they were they were used to those kind of questions. And really, when I was asking them, it was something they were experts on. And, you know, with a little pushing, a little prodding, they began to open up all the things that they know about. And that has everything to do with the world that they're going to be living in and creating. And so they had as many ideas about love as Greek philosophers. And so I told them a story about how I walked into my child's preschool one day and the teacher was just standing with the, listening, sitting with the kids, listening to them, and she was just crooning the words, what's it all about, you guys, what's it all about? And the kids, mm-hmm. without even looking up, just looked at her, or without looking up, while they were still doing what they were doing, just said, love. Love's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And so when I told the kids, this story, my students, this story, they were just enraptured by that because it's really something they're trying to figure out. How do I, who is this person I'm becoming? How do I come to love this person? Who are these people I'm with? How will I go out to the world and learn how to love somebody or other people? How do I learn these things, learn to love these things that are, are being presented to me. And so it really, to me, is just about trying to let them see how many beautiful things there are around them in, in the most immediate sense, the people around them, how many beautiful things there are in the subjects they study, poetry or physics or geometry, and then and somehow feel comfortable with that idea and go forward with that idea that the world is a beautiful place and it can be made more beautiful. And that's what you're trying to do is learn how to be alive, loving, fully yourself in the world. So that's really, that's it for us. At the end of the year, I ask them the final question of the year, graduation, what's it all about? And they know the answer. Hmm. 
I'm so and, you know, a lot of it comes really from they have to live with each other for three or two or one years around the table all day, every day, listening and learning and listening and learning and learning how to be with each other. And they're not rushed around and put into different groupings. They're all together all the time. So it is, it is a little bit like a family where that's what is, that's the, that's the mortar that holds the family together. Now, one you know, thing I, that I really like about what you said is, is the fact, I mean, you asked the, the, a central question of human existence. And in how many schools in our country is that done? You know, that, that, that asking the questions that really matter, I think that's really kind of the crux of, of what we can offer in, in independent schools. So that's, that's a beautiful story. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, when we turn our focus as educators and parents toward what what the students are thinking, what the students are feeling, uh, what their aspirations are, what their goals are, um, we have a much much better recipe f- and uh, for success. And uh, when we 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 when we get um, our focus so narrowed on on test scores and agendas and curricula, as as Tal said earlier. Um, there's a great risk that um, the learning process loses meaning for the students, and meaning is is, is absolutely everything uh, in, human, in, in one's so life. We seek meaning, you know. That's what mm-hmm. that's what we do. So there's almost a you know it's, as I listen to the three of you, and and I, I find it clear to me why I sent my child to the Oneness Family School and <laughs> why I have the three of you on the show. I, I'm so drawn to your messages, you know, and I'm thinking, isn't that interesting what we're not talking about? We're, we're not talking about a vision of um, intellectual attainment or achievement or academic accomplishment. It almost sounds to me like the three of you include that, but sort of take that for granted within this larger mission about open open minds, open hearts, um, stewardship and love. Um, is that right? When you have an open mind, you're going to be curious about the world. When you're comfortable with who you are, you're going to be able to move close towards people who have something to give. So to me, it's having those feelings are the prerequisite to intellectual expansion and growth. You know, when, when the kids begin to be comfortable with themselves and the people are around, they begin to love everything that we're doing everything that there's out there. And so it, to me, it's the first step, and, and the other things all follow. Right. Mm. And I feel like it's, you know, I very definitely feel called um, to work with our teachers to make sure that the kids have skills that will help them take this vision and this, and this love for the environment and for the community to have the skills to really express those as they continue to grow so that they can be effective as stewards. So that's, mm-hmm. for me, that's where a lot of those skills come in. I see. And, and I think uh, another, another way of saying what we're saying uh, is that we are empowering the students to, to define for themselves what success means mm-hmm. yeah. and um, that they that. Um, if 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 they just accept the definition that that that, that they think uh, um, they should be, work toward um, that our society might put forth for them, then um, then that's where it's easy for them to go off track. But if we empower them to to really define for themselves um, in in all these different ways what what success means, what happiness means. Uh, then they they feel the reality of that, and they can 
work toward that in their lives. And I think that um, that's really what the ultimate goal of, of education is all about. And helping the students to work toward that end with the support of their parents is really the, the art of, of what we try to do each day. And to pick up on that, to use the word standards, I mean, I want my kids to define the standard for themselves as individuals and also to have a collective idea that they create of what is acceptable, what's great, how do we get there, how do we help each other get there, but that's all the discussion they have. And then you, you can go into any major central question of humanity, what is happiness? They can talk about that. What is truth? They can talk about that. What is God? They can talk about that. And you're really telling them that they have it, and you're helping them get there. But you have to trust that they, that they have to trust them. And, they, and once I, yeah. you give them their trust, they will go. They will move. And not only you know, that, because it has personal meaning to them, you know, then they will, they will want to arm themselves with the skills to really forge down that path, I think. Well, you know, what you're saying, it, it, what you, I tell you, just said the thing that was really emerging for me as I was listening to you three, and that is um, how much faith you have in the child as a human being, how much trust you place in the wholeness and the capability of that child, no matter their circumstances, no matter their gifts, um, your your faith is in the, the person and and the process that you're bringing to them. Um, you know, to and so that's the that's the missing piece, maybe in the public school system, which has classes of 32 kids and has difficulty meeting the child in the way that you do. Well, there's there's it should you know we, I think we we would all agree that there's there's many many. Uh, well-intentioned people working to support students that are in the, the public sector. I think it's more a question of, of vision and intention. And uh, one of one of the more famous quotes from Maria Montessori was that the, the, that that teachers should should approach the child as as the three kings walking to present gifts to the to the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's 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 kind of a a, a pretty um, uh, Hyperbolic statement, but I think the, the 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 meaning of it is is really what we were we've been discussing today. That uh, trusting in in the kind of inner spirit of of each child to really um, be the guide and the, and and lead them uh, along the pathway of their own lives, um, and to 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 empower them to trust that inner that inner spirit um, along that journey is is really. Um, the true uh, essence of what teaching is all about, I think. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More. 
can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm glad you're listening with me this morning to these three extraordinary educators whose visions seem to be um, incredibly synergistic as I'm listening here this morning. Um, we're listening to Tal Birdsey of the North Branch School, Laura Kang of the Eagle Cove School, and Andrew Cutt of the Oneness Family School. And as we wind down the show, I want to invite you listeners to consider what you're hearing here today. Whether you are in a community that offers this kind of um, progressive school or perhaps are in a place like the place where I grew up, which primarily has public school, rural public schools, is there anything that you can take from what Tal, Laura, and Andrew are saying that might enliven and enrich your community? You know, it's not been my intention to um, be a fundraiser by any means for the show, but as I do listen to the leaders on this show, I'm moved by the quality of their leadership and what they're doing. Um, if you're inspired by these folks, I encourage you to consider visiting their websites or making a gift to the school that would enable their work to continue. You can just Google Oneness Family School of Chevy Chase, Maryland, Eagle Cove School of Pasadena, Maryland, and the North Branch School of Ripton, Vermont, to find out how to do this. Um, I can vouch for the integrity of these leaders, and I know that they are operating um, very lean budgets and would really appreciate your support. Um, so I'd like to come back to finish our conversation and ask you all the question, what is it that you wish parents knew about what kids need from a school experience and from them? I'm going to start, Andrew, with you. Sure. Well, I think that, um, like many aspects of, of life, parents um, have a choice, and that choice really is is between being um, a reactive parent and, and what I would call a reflective parent. Uh, when I think back on your daughter Wynn's uh, years here at the Oneness Family School and working together in such close partnership with you and your husband, Dave, to to help Wynn overcome uh, different challenges and, and, and trans transform um, challenges into into opportunities um, you know we, we all became aware of how 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 easy it is to oscillate be- between being reactive and, and reflective and um, being reflective to me means um, that 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 we as parents and educators you know ask ourselves what will truly lead our child to happiness and uh, I think that for me that's where it all starts um, the other thing that I would that I would say is that there's an amazing and growing body of research uh, out there to, to show uh, that supports 
the, 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 the fundamental principles which we've talked about today, which is creating um, a positive learning community uh, that supports each individual in that community and the amazing impact that that has on student success, not only academically, but, but later in life. And so those are the things that I, that I wish uh, that parents uh, would consider or, 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 or would, would focus on is just working hard to be a reflective parent. It's not easy, uh, especially as they, they go through the adolescent years, but it is possible, mm-hmm. and paying mm-hmm. attention to the research out there that, that can help them to, con- to understand why uh, these kinds of uh, community-based learning environments um, are really uh, successful. I love that. I love the the way that you've um, highlighted the choice between uh, being reactive or being reflective as a parent, and I think that's a, a, a great distinction for all of us to think about. Um, Tal, how about you? Well, I've, I've been blessed to have parents that, that really trust what we're doing. They know that we're not the expert in their child, but we're the expert in children this age, and when they give us that trust, then you're suddenly in a this beautiful partnership where they have the child's history and they have faith that you know what to do with them at this age. Um, I think that, you know, my parents generally are really supportive of everything that we're doing and they have a great understanding of it. I think that uh, one thing that's important that I think parents need to know is they need to understand what's going on. And really that's not their responsibility. It's my responsibility to contextualize things, and to that end, I write, or our children write, the students write every week what we're doing and what we're going to be doing, and I will often contextualize that so that they can sort of see the method to the madness and why it's appropriate and why the kids are this way and why they're feeling and saying and questioning these things. And and really, to um, I, I guess what I would I, I need and what any school needs is to have parents who trust the school and are not... Um, not uh, imposing on it through their through or based on their own fears or anxieties or previous experiences, but to trust that the kids and the teachers are going to make meaning together and figure out a path that makes sense. And the second thing is that I think uh, above all, kids need to be happy coming to school. And the way to know whether a school is working is that the kids want to go there, and they are kind of reluctant to leave at the end of the day. And so, for parents to know that it's not whether. Um, your child is in the 49th or 89th percentile in a certain area. It's whether they want are looking forward to going to school, and that's that's the first and most important thing to evaluate. Um, Thank you. And uh, and that if you walk into a school and you see all kinds of crazy things hanging from the ceilings and crazy posters and colorful structures and sculptures and projects and fun and laughter and music happening, then that is a school that's happening. And if parents know that, they can go out and find a, a school that works for a child. Is that you describing your school, Tal? It's pretty crazy here. (laughs) Okay. It's pretty fun, too. I bet it is. Um, Laura, how about you? What do you wish that parents knew about? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I started this parenting thing myself when I was older than most, and I think that was helpful to me. Um, I, I suggest that parents find parents, other parents whose children are adults now and get to know them. Because um, 
you know, there's a lot of fear and anxiety out there, and it's really important to take the long view in human development mm-hmm. and not to get bogged down in, you know, one little thing that's going on in a child's life. Um, help your child develop the habit of com- a compassionate stance towards the world. The brain research now shows that a compassionate way of thinking actually helps light up all kinds of regions, mm-hmm. um, helps develop synaptic connections in the brain. Um, so that's a wonderful thing. And engage your child in dialogue. You know, start as soon as they can talk. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them to uh, think about what they see and what they experience and just begin that habit of dialogue. And as they grow older, you'll be so glad you have it. Mm, that's great advice, and I think the sooner you could start, the better. I have to agree with you. You know, I want to close with um, just, I'm going to read actually another another excerpt from Tal's book, and this is actually a poem written by a boy named Steve um, at the end of an academic year, a boy who had previously had no success in school until coming to the North Branch School and who had come from a... Um, backwoods, really, in the mountains of um, Ripton, Vermont. Um, Steve didn't know he was a poet when he started at North Branch, but this is how he ended the year. And forever, and for whatever it's worth, what is smell? People say you can smell rain before it falls, but where does it fall from? It is from where it falls that we can get these answers. So when I go to sleep, it's as though I'm falling, falling up into the sky. The dreams of men, women, and children drift out into space, I see a dream of love. It's unbearably beautiful. Oh, I love that. Wow. A beautiful poem. And for those of you listening, if you'd like to receive a copy of Tal's book or Andrew's book or a striking stainless steel drink bottle from the Eagle Cove School, please email us at info at nebocompany.com this week and we'll enter you in our raffle. Have a great week, everybody, and thank you for joining us. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.